Morning Crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Gonzo, also known as Super G, is in the building. And today we have a renowned educator in the space, somebody who's comfortable with the haters, but more comfortable with the positive comments. We got Crypto Lulu in the building, and that's a joke for my friends, of course. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Coinbase is joining Ripple in a case against the SEC, claiming no cryptos ever sold on their exchange were considered unregistered securities. As New York regulators said this banking collapse had nothing to do with crypto, Europe is moving to bring control back to the people, now adding a kill switch to every smart contract. And as the banking shift of the century is happening before our eyes, we break down the details, asking our special guest his predictions for XRP, explaining how this transformation is the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, we've got a jam-packed show for today as we already went through the topics before the scenes. But how are you feeling, my friend? And thank you for being here. Well, we're midweek. I'm feeling great. We got Crypto Lulu on the show. Gonzo obviously didn't get a chance to do his hair today. But I just want to start off like, we'll. oh, there it is. There's that beautiful. Everybody loves it. Here's that George Clooney here. But good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. We love you guys. Appreciate you guys. We got a we got a chock full of news list today, so I can't wait to hop into it. Abs, I'm excited. Whenever you talk about Gonzo's hair, it cracks me up, Johnny. But Gonzo, I'm always happy to see you, my friend. I see you got the bull run shirt on. That might be jumping the gun here, but we're gonna talk about it. How you feeling, my friend? Oh, the mute got me there for a second. I'm feeling outstanding. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. It's gonna be a great show. Super excited. Yesterday was a great day. Uh, Mario and I and Jose recorded our first 3T Espanol. Uh, so that's gonna be coming out in. in uh, uh, in the future, it was all in Spanish. It was really funny having to adjust, thinking of all these different words like blockchain, smart contract, and kind of describing the events of the last few days in Spanish. Uh, so uh, I think people are going to get a, a really, really good laugh. That's awesome, Gonzo. And we got Crypto Lulu in the building. Crypto Lulu, you already know what this episode is going to be about. We are talking about XRP this morning, and specifically, we're going to get into some price targets for our listeners. But before we do that, how you feeling, my friend? And thank you for being here. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just uh, working on, I, I'm, I'm producing this higher level con, uh, content recently and it's just taken all my time, but uh, hopefully it's paying off for everyone. The new studio, it does look like it's paying off, but we're going to start this show off the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. We are at 3,030 followers here. A little symmetry this morning. So go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in moderate fear this morning. Johnny Crypto, we are sitting at a 50 and the market is correcting with red bubbles across the board. AGIX is up 6% and XDC is up 7%. When we check out the total coin market cap, we are sitting at 1.8 billion, sorry, 1.08 billion this, sorry, trillion this morning. Bitcoin is 42% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 24,700, Ethereum 1,600, and XRP is just below 37 cents. So Crypto Lulu, I'm going right back to you. We've talked about it on the show before. The bear market appears to be over after the black swan with FTX. But now with this banking collapse happening before our eyes, I'd love to hear what you're predicting. Do you believe the worst days are behind us for the crypto market? Um, I, I come very much with the attitude that anything can happen. So um, it's, it's not as if I'm committing to kind of any outcome. All I know is that we're 
in the, the I kind of treat things like that, like that graph right there. If you're in that dark blue area, buy time, right? You're accumulating during those time periods. So yes, one of those blue dots could go even further down, but it's probably still going to be dark blue, right? So I'm just accumulating. I accumulate every day. So I'm, I'm buying whether XRP is 41 cents or whether it's 36 or 30, it doesn't matter. Um, so I'm not so focused on whether it's going to go down even further. It's not worth the attention. It's not worth the, the energy required to worry about. Um, I think you just make it simple and just keep accumulating where you can. Uh, I think that's the, the attitude I'm taking. And Gonzo, I'd love to get your take before we get into our articles for this morning. One of the charts we showed our listeners yesterday was this max pain chart for Bitcoin. And look at what we're getting here. We are getting that little price run that happens before we finish out our bear market. We could see Bitcoin reaching levels like 32,000, 35,000 is what we've discussed. I'd like to hear what you're predicting before we dive into the show. Yeah. So, you know, yesterday was a great day. You know, uh, it's the Bitcoin show right now. That's why like the altcoins are, are kind of down a little bit right now because Bitcoin dominance is rising, you know, we smashed that 25200 level and we hit 265. Uh, I think there was a lot of sell orders there, there's liquidity there. And so now like uh, Bitcoin is building structure. We're also attacking that 200 week moving average. It's right there at that 265 level. So um, all we got to do is just start uh, closing daily candles above that. And I think that that trend will continue to move uh, upwards. But like Crypto Lulu said, every investment thesis is different. And if you don't have a certain crypto, like if you don't have XRP, then um, and you're trying to build your position, then what's the difference between you know 37 cents and 41 cents, or if it goes down to 30 cents, right? You're starting to accumulate and do your DCA strategy. Absolutely, guys. And we got 298 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I want to give a shout out to one of our listeners. Coins Club, also known as Quincy, is in the building. And he's going to be joining our show on March 22nd. So I'm very excited for that episode as well. But we are starting to show off by reminding our listeners exactly what's happening at the Federal Reserve. And then we're going to go right back to our special guest. Here we go. To the person who is about to grab their car keys and go to the ATM and take out $3,000, you say what? You don't need to. Your ATM is safe. Your banks are safe. There's enough cash in the financial system, and there is an infinite amount of cash at the Federal Reserve. We will do whatever we need to do to make sure that there's enough cash in the banking system. There is an infinite amount of cash at the Federal Reserve. And you know what the best part is, Crypto Lulu, is that this system is about to turn digital. That printing press doesn't need to print paper anymore. They can just change digits on a screen, and the printing press can run forever. So I'd love to get your take on the infinite process the Federal Reserve has here. Is his screen frozen? I can't tell. Johnny Crypto, if he's not here, I'm kicking it right to you. I think he's frozen, Johnny, so I'm kicking it right to you, man. Oh, maybe he is frozen there. Uh, yeah, we did lose him, so we'll get him back as soon as we can, guys. Uh, you know, we talked about this yesterday and the fact that the, the system is set up so that you actually can just continue to print money. And the reality is today, the way they do it, is they do just change a number in the computer. And then, you know, of course, they'll, they'll sprint out. Uh, they'll print out some money, but not as much as they actually change in the in the actual system itself. Um, but, you know, it is crazy. But I think we have Crypto Lulu back, so I'm going to add him to the stream here. Beautiful. And- I'll add him back, Johnny. And here we go. Our, I got it, Johnny. Our okay, special guest is back in the building. Crypto Lulu, I hope you can hear us now. Just give me a thumbs up and then yep. I'll kick it right back to you. Perfect. So I just wanted to get your take on the Federal Reserve. What we pointed out before is this is a shift into central bank digital currencies. And the way they're going to promote this to people like us is they're going to say this prevents a liquidity crisis. If we have a central bank digital currency, 
that's the solution that they need in order for us to not have bank runs going forward. So I just wanted to get your take on that before we start the show. Well, it's so this this whole thing, it's like we've, we've been calling this for, for a while now. Like we've, we've known this is the, the solution. You know that when you don't back assets by anything but themselves, which is what we are currently in, right? It, the, it doesn't take much to cause a, a death spiral, which is what we're seeing the start of now, right? So having Nostrovostra accounts and then, and then a lack of liquidity in those Nostrovostra accounts at banks, it just causes this downward spiral. And it's, it's funny how the news comes out and then everyone's like, oh, the banks don't have money. It's like, well, yeah, we've been saying this for like, over a year well on my channel i've been saying it for over a year but other people have been saying it for a long time seeing the clear flaws in the financial system um so yes i don't think it's directly cbdc's that recover it but cbdc's are are specifically part of the narrative that will be spun on the on the public as the we've saved you look here's cbdc's Thank you. And I'm looking forward to diving into how XRP is all intertwined to that same narrative. But we're going to start this show with a little important message from The Simpsons. Johnny Crypto, you brought this up yesterday, and it's a little insight into what Crypto Lulu just brought up. The banks don't have your money, but people don't seem to realize that until the last moment. This is a clear example. So we'll play the short clip and go to Johnny. Here we go. What do you mean the bank is out of money? Insolvent? You'll be having enough cash for the next three customers. Hey, 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 hey,
he got exposed. We were in the middle of that bear market and the liquidity crisis, the FTX thing, right? And now we're seeing what's happening with the with the banks, with, with the Federal Reserve raising rates like they did. Um, these got caught. These guys got caught with their pants down, right? And it's exposing the Ponzi. But like you said, Johnny, a lot of people, like when I talk to my friends, they don't understand how yeah, the, uh, the banking system works, right? Yeah. That, that the bank doesn't actually have their money. Uh, and so that goes to like, you know, where people need to be uh, educated and need to educate themselves in, in finance. Absolutely, Gonzo and Crypto Lulu, I'm kicking it right to you here. We got 400 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button and get ready for the XRP content because I'd love to paint a positive picture for our listeners. People often show these unrealistic price charts here, but what happened in the past, it doesn't repeat, but it often rhymes. And what happened in 2017 is with XRP in a 240 day period, we had a 70,000% increase in price going from about a fraction of a penny all the way to just below $4 in less than a year. So pretty exciting news there. But I want to paint the picture here, Crypto Lulu, and then kick it right back to you. We've talked about how XRP is the solution for on-demand liquidity for the banks. And now we have um, the Federal Reserve coming out and saying that central bank digital currencies are the solution for a liquidity crisis. So I'm going to ask you a pretty broad question here, and I'd just like to get a simple answer. Do you believe XRP is going to be involved in any way, shape, or form with an American CBDC? And if so, can you draw some connections for our listeners? Um, if, if not completely directly, as in I'm talking about on the XRP ledger, uh, then it will be... We, we, if you understand what XRP does and what the, what the ledger does, you understand how... XRP's position in everything is that it connects everything. So it's the, it's the rails for all the payments. So even if you've got transactions happening uh, on a CBDC that's built on Algorand, for example, the, the, the settlement of those funds has to go through a system that is built with the liquidity function, right? Not all of these other uh, uh, projects are built with the liquidity function at the scale that we're talking about with CBDCs, right? That yes, they can settle some funds using their native tokens, whatever it is, but on a small scale, like for, for example, IOTA is in that realm of all of those tokens within the ISO 222 thing. They will be handling like micropayments, right? For internet of things things. They're not gonna be able to handle trillions a day. So the liquidity, that the money has to be settled via other means. And this is why all of those ISO tokens are all going to be interoperable with each other um, so that the funds can be settled on XRP. You know, Quant can do its thing. Algorand can do its thing. And they all do their thing. But when it comes to payments, and we're talking about CBDCs, the transfer of value has to be settled in an environment where liquidity is a main function of the protocol, right? So that's how I view it. That's amazing. Johnny, I'm not sure if you had a follow-up question there, but we saw an interesting article from Fox News just yesterday stating that central bank digital currencies are coming, whether countries are ready or not. And this is one of the main narratives we're going to see going forward. China is way ahead of the game when it comes to CBDC development. And within this article, they actually commented on this and said, that's the biggest threat to America right now, Johnny, is the fact that China and many other countries are much further along in their CBDC development than what we have going on in the U.S., and they're using that as a negative narrative to bring in control. So I just wanted to make this very clear. It's not that China's way ahead of the game. It's that the U.S. is always planning on bringing out a CBDC. And this is a great way for us to bring that in. So it's a great narrative to roll out the product. I'd like to get your thoughts. Yeah, you know, 
based basically what what Lulu said is correct is at the end of the day there's a system that has to replace. So think about right now what you have, right? You have Nostro Vostro accounts that basically are there to provide that liquidity uh, tra transaction uh, and, and, and remain system. So that'll get replaced with something. It has to. And that's, you know, what the XRP, the legend of liquidity system will allow. And then the other thing, which is important, Abs, and why I love Quant so much is there's going to be, as we've been saying all along, there will be a bunch of systems that coexist to work together to form this entire CBD system. It isn't just one. Everybody thinks, oh, this is one. No, no. It's going to be a compilation of a different set uh, of technologies and blockchain stacked on each other to make it work. But something has to make them all communicate to each other, right? And that's why things like Quant, there it is right there, right? Something. So, again, for us, what we try to do is make sure we're investing in the proper blockchain technologies that are going to drive this new system and xrp will be part of it. iota quant uh even link there'll be other things in, in here that are going to bring this whole thing to life here this is going to be a highly complex system behind the scenes but remember nobody gives you shit what happens behind the scenes nobody cares how your email gets sent nobody cares how a communication call works when i call you on the phone nobody cares when i go to the bank with the bank they just want it to work and that's what's going to happen but what's exciting here is we're so far ahead of the game. We're so early in this that we're investing in these technologies that are going to be driving the future of Web 3.0. That's why I'm excited. Uh, Crypto Lulu, I wanted to get your take as well. But Gonzo, we talked about this yesterday. There's a shift happening into the digital system, but there's a transitory phase. And Quant is set to dominate that transition from traditional finance into this digital revolution. And we're illustrating that picture right here. This is what Quant is working to create. It's going to take traditional finance and allow it to communicate with existing blockchains. And that's the biggest advantage we have going on. I don't want to spend too much time on Quant because this is an XRP-focused episode. But Gonzo, any brief comments on Quant Network and the development from traditional finance into the digital age? No, you know, I think you guys have all covered it very well. And um, all I can say is, is that you know, hearing you guys talk and, and, and all it tells me is that I need to continue to dollar cost average into the ISO tokens, right? Whether that's XRP, XLM, Quant, HBAR, uh, and I'm just going to keep, you know, packing my bags and then taking them into the future with me. Crypto Lulu, I'd like to get some brief comments as well. Have you done any research into Quant? And if so, how do you feel about this blockchain slash product? We know that Gilbert Verdi and the CEO of Quant Networks worked at the Secure pa Task Payments Force at the Federal Reserve in 2018. So he had actually already founded Quant, then went to work at the Federal Reserve, creating a Secure Payments Task Force. So really interesting detail. What's it mean to you? Uh, I, I can't I can't speak too much on Quant, honestly. Um, I haven't done the deep dives that I have uh, like I have with XRP and the other X ones. Um, all I can say that is when I look at the ecosystem and I see Quant's positioning in it, it's it's an absolute necessity. So kind of because of where it stands and what it's uh, and its position among all of those ISO tokens, it's, it's that's kind of enough for me. Uh, so that's why I don't really focus on on Quant too much. I don't know the history or anything like that. Um, just just knowing its role is enough for me to kind of be uh, confident enough in that system to think that's handled, you know. Absolutely. And we're going to break down exactly what is happening in our banking system today by starting off with a video of somebody we do not trust, Kevin O'Leary, but he is spitting some truth in this video, so it's worth playing. The great collapse that we are seeing today is taking the big banks and allowing them to monopolize the industry in the United States. And Kevin O'Leary paints a great picture of that here. So we're going to play about 30 seconds of this interview and then go back to the group. Here we go. 
bank. But here's where we're, that we're at this morning with this new policy. I don't care what bank we're talking about anymore. You as a depositor have no risk whatsoever. So what stops the idiot bank manager going forward from doing anything they want within the regulatory environment, taking as much risk as possible to get the stock price of that bank up, that that's how they're compensated. This is going to create some very perverse acts by bank managers and crazy behaviors. And in the end, it's, it's not a long-term solution whatsoever because either you decide to nationalize the banks, in which case all of bank managers work for taxpayers as employees, just like giant utilities, or you let the private sector be the private sector. And within that, you have collapses by idiot managers like the Silicon Valley Bank, which, by the way, at the end of the day, would have only cost depositors around 5%, those that were uninsured, above 250000 And frankly, the people that have money, the more, more than 250000 are the sophisticated investors. I don't want to play the whole thing, Johnny, but he said a bunch of truthful statements in there, and I'd like to get your take. What we're seeing here is big banks come in and bail out or take control of the smaller banks in the country, and eventually that gives more control to the Federal Reserve. We're talking about this whole picture we're trying to paint between CBDCs, the centralization of banking, and the rolling out of digital currencies all at the same time. There's no such thing as a coincidence. We always say there's just unidentified patterns, and we may have found one here, so I'd like to get your take. Well, you know, we know that Kevin O'Leary did land on the rat snake weasel meter, right? We did put him on there in the red zone uh, for some of his stuff in the past. But I will give credit where credit's due. He's spot on right here when he says now that, again, this is a problem, right? So I'm going to bring you back, Abs, probably when you were close to being in diapers or maybe just coming out of diapers back in 2003 and four. I feel like every episode you're talking about me in diapers. Because we have to go back to history because it's going to repeat, right? So back in the early 2000s, there were a couple changes Congress made in the regulation that allowed them to give mortgage loans to anybody and everybody. I mean, Mickey Mouse, dead people, everybody were getting loans back in that day. They were giving them out, you know, even if you couldn't afford to pay it, right? And that is actually what ultimately led to all the crap in the market and the MBS failure that drove all the banks down in 2008. It was a policy change earlier. Well, now you're seeing this change, which is dramatic to the system. Think about it now as a bank owner, right? There's no risk. So that's right. They're going to start gambling again now with, with, with these systems to the point where it's going to create a major failure in the banking system probably two, three years from now because of the change that happened right now today. And so this is why this is very dangerous. We cannot have things in place where there's no risk. If there's no risk, people are going to gamble. And then when it fails, oh, there's going to be the, you know, who bails them out? The taxpayer again or the government. You just, you can't, you can't do it. It's unsustainable. Sooner or later, they get, the debt gets too high. The money gets devalued, crashes the system. But we all know that's the plan. We know that's where we're going. And, that, and so to me, this is just like a cog in that plan to be able to make it happen. Crypto Lulu, in the same way we like to say, if they're going to roll out CBDCs, they have to convince the public that DeFi cannot be trusted, at least not as much as the central bank digital currencies. And we're seeing that with the fiat system take place, right? For us to roll out CBDCs, we have to convince the public that the fiat system has already failed. And I think we're seeing that starting in America right now. So I'd like to get your take on that. And then we'll dive into some Credit Suisse news because another big bank is collapsing around the world. Yeah, I think I think the, the narrative is very, very important. Um, because CBDCs, I believe, will will be introduced alongside some sort of universal basic income type thing. I'd, whether that is 
truly universal and and everyone is like everyone's getting money through the cbdc or whether it's kind of raise the the limit usually it would be that lower income bracket that would get the help maybe that's increased to the, the lower class i don't know what you call it but also up to the middle class people as well all all getting um that kind of basic income and they'll say the narrative will be spun we're helping the economy you've seen what happened with the bank and the spiral that happened we lost all the banks the trust is gone but we've got this new sol solution and also wait for the big thing drum roll we're going to pay you all 10 grand a year or whatever it is. i don't know just guessing a number yeah. We're going to give you this in, in CBDC, but the catch is you have to stimulate the economy. So you have to use it. You have to spend all that money that we give you. Um, and it will come out. The narrative will be spun and the narrative will go down like it worked, right? Like the whole lockdown thing. You have to lock down to to um, save everyone, save the people you love. You have to lock down. It's like, okay, everyone believed that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's the... That's the situation it, it will come to. I'm, I'm almost 100% confident that that's how they're going to integrate CBDCs truly to truly flip the system over. And it's always interesting that they roll out these new protocols under the narrative of protecting investors. Well, what are we seeing taking place right now with the central bank digital currency movement? We are seeing the fiat system collapse before our eyes, but we are also seeing the jobs be replaced by AI. And what I think is going to happen over the next 10 years is universal basic income is not going to be optional because there's 40 million truck drivers in America today. There's 20 million fast food employees today. That is 60 million Americans directly who could be replaced by AI in the next 10 years. And a lot of those truck drivers make over $200,000 a year. These are not like low paying jobs or unearning employees. These are high middle-class Americans that fuel our economy and they're the ones who are going to be laid off. So I just wanted to get a follow-up question there. Do you believe that's a part of this whole narrative? They know AI is going to be replacing many essential jobs. Yeah, of course. I, I think what's actually a really important thing here is that if everyone can place their minds back to the whole um, the election time, we had a gentleman called Andrew Yang and he his whole premise, his whole thing to run for president was this basic income thing. But unfortunately for him, I think it was like eight years too early. <laughs> um, but if you if you go and look through his documentation for what he was running with, like the policies he was putting forward, go and read through it. Uh, funnily enough, you could probably even ask AI to, to, <laughs> to do this. Um, but then convert what he's saying about the traditional system and convert what he's saying into CBDC language, blockchain-based language. And what you've got is probably a realistic, journey of events that will happen in the cbdc space for such a system like a ubi system so i think it's interesting we've got the the old system proposal for universal basic income that's all fully fleshed out because he ran for president with that thing and then you can just convert some of the language in that to to be within the realm of what we're talking about here and i think that'd be quite a good little indicator for for what's going to happen and you know what? I think it's important to play this interview since you referenced it yourself. This is an interview from Joe Rogan and Andrew Yang. This is a man who ran for president and was the first person to publicly promote universal basic income. His original promotion was to give every American $1,000 a month, and that is becoming more important than ever right now. So we're going to let this short clip play and go back to the group here. Here we go. Actual numbers. It's pretty staggering. Yeah, so I've been driven to universal basic income in part because I've been looking at the numbers the five most common jobs in the United States right now are administrative and clerical work, retail and sales, food service and food prep, truck driving and transportation and manufacturing. 
Those five jobs comprise about half of all American jobs. Only 32% of Americans graduate from college. So the average American is a high school grad doing one of these five jobs. And if you look at it, technology is already doing a number on each of these jobs. Like the first administrative and clerical includes call center workers and AI is in the process of uh, taking over that job. Retail and sales, 30% of malls are closing in the next four years. So the, the danger here is to think of it as artificial intelligence is coming. It's actually already eating up the most common jobs in our economy and it's driving Americans uh, into distress in various ways in the numbers. A perfect example of what we were just talking about there. 50% of America may lose their job in the next 10 years because of AI. And these are some of the most important and influential workers in our economy, from truck drivers to retail workers to food supplies. These are the people who should be concerned. And as Crypto Lulu gets back on the screen, Johnny, I want to kick it right back to you. How do you feel about this interview from 2018? Well, so this is so this is a complete, you know, the exact wrong way of how to address a problem. Okay. You can't go and say that, okay, AI is coming. It's going to eliminate jobs and displace people. And so what we're going to do is we're going to put them on a system where we're just going to pay them. You can't. So the problem with the system like this is there's no such thing as a free lunch apps. There's no free money. It has to come from somewhere. And if you decide you're going to print money, because we're going to get the money, it's got to come through somewhere. It's crap in, crap out. You have to have a source bringing money in to have money going back out. But in this system, the UBI, by the way, that was all set up to basically get out there and, and subliminally program people and get it out there and test the idea and see if people liked it, right? And what you heard was this. You heard a lot of, I heard a lot of young kids. I'm not picking on young kids, but that's just what I heard. Facts. They're like, oh yeah, I love it. Give me a thousand bucks a month. Okay. First of all, you can't even, you can't even put gas in your car never mind pay a mortgage with a thousand dollars a month but people want free money it doesn't work the way to solve this problem is to retrain people into the areas of, of you know again one thing america always led was innovation right we need to retrain people into jobs that are going to be sustainable that are going to be out there and not just say oh no sit at home and do nothing because again if you do that well you stifle innovation Think of all those people that maybe have a, those kids come to have a good mind. It could have been an innovator, could have been doing something, and instead they're paid to sit at home and do nothing and be non-creative. It's going to kill society. It's going to kill innovation. And more importantly, it's going to kill everybody's uh, purchasing power because the more you print, the more the money goes down, not up. It's a bad, bad idea. If you ask me. Absolutely. And Crypto Lulu, I want to get your take as well. But before we do that, we got 620 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We got Crypto Lulu in the building. We are discussing UBI right now, but I think it's important to tie it into a bigger conversation with central bank digital currencies and the replacement of essential jobs. We are seeing that take place right now. And so many of our listeners are getting an opportunity to invest in the technologies they're going to be using for a CBDC, for some UBI technology. And I'd like to, for you to elaborate on that. This interview was from 2018. And he said, in the next four years, we're going to have 35% of malls closed down. What happened? C-19 crisis comes along and everybody's forced to stay home. We had actually over 50% of malls in the United States shut down. So these are some important stats. I'd like to hear what it means to you. Well, about, about malls shutting down. I, uh, my, my internet- <laughs> No, 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 no sorry. Not about the malls shutting down. About the, about the larger narrative going on here, the fact that UBI is coming out, UBI, CBDCs, and AI all coming out at the same time, to me as an uneducated regular person, it seems like a coordinated attack. It seems like something that couldn't be a coincidence. And I'd just like for you to elaborate on that. 
Oh, we keep having. Sorry, my, my internet is so bad. Um, I, I think, I, I think, um, it's, it's. I mean, it's genius level narrative play. Um, I think some of these things are like happy accidents where something happens and they go, oh, that actually fits the where we're going quite well, and we didn't have to do make any effort to do that. Um, I think uh, UBI is a ter terrible idea, but purely from the the perspective of sovereignty and privacy of an individual. Um, uh, that said, all of the events leading up to such a system uh, are in place. You know, AI taking over that that will uh, lose jobs for people, people who are who. Are, are old enough to where they they it's very difficult for them to learn new skills so those people are gonna have to be uh handled with somehow um they're gonna have to be upskilled there's gonna have to be systems for that in place but i i, I think the whole ai ubi conversation is is just this perfect little narrative that's required for a system switch i think it's whoever's thinking it up is is truly a genius but it, it doesn't make it it doesn't make it uh not malicious shout out to the knights of templar right johnny we got 606 live listeners joining us show some love smash that like button i know johnny always gets uncomfortable when i talk about the elites but i do think it's important to mention so let's switch gears just a little bit here and we're going to break down how coinbase is supporting ripple in a new lawsuit against the sec so coinbase has filed an amicus brief in the sec versus wahi case in support of a lawsuit dismissal. Now, what this case is about is there was inside trading going on at Coinbase where some employees were getting uh, word that, that a token was going to be listed. They would then go and purchase large amounts of those tokens only to dump on retail investors through the same platform they were going to be listed on. Now, what's interesting about this case is they've already pled guilty to those allegations, but what Coinbase is not pleading guilty on is the fact that they sold unregistered securities. They said Coinbase doesn't list unregistered securities, but we would like to. We even petitioned the SEC to begin a rulemaking issue last year, and we put forth 50 questions that we would need to be answered for us to list securities. Well, Gary Gensler, par for the course here, didn't even answer the email. They never responded to Coinbase. And so Coinbase admitted that the insider trading and wire fraud allegations were valid, but they were not willing to plead guilty when it comes to selling unregistered securities. And this is very positive for Ripple against the SEC because one of the tokens that Coinbase had been selling was XRP. So just to paint a positive picture here, if Coinbase is saying that they've never sold an unregistered security while having sold XRP for over a year and a half before delisting, I think it's positive news for the lawsuit. I'd like to hear from you, Crypto Lulu. How do you feel about this news? Yeah, it's positive, but I, I, I don't I don't get excited by stuff like that. I don't think I don't think it's worth getting excited because Coinbase in a, in a different situation, depending on where the money is for them, will can flip and and say something negative for xrp right so i i tend not to to look at this stuff it's it's not of interest to me just because these big companies like coinbase they flip flop all the time uh depending on i don't know who 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 they're being paid by or or I, you can get conspiratorial about it but they the the lawyers that they work with will be spinning narratives that suit information that they know that we don't and as long as that's the case, that there, there's going to be flip flops in the whole thing. They just they're going to say what generally they need us to hear. 
I completely agree. And one of the things that sticks out to me in this report is the fact that Coinbase could not have been selling unregistered securities because of the way they define them. So in this peer review here, tokens are, in, are not investment contracts because an investment contract required a contract and a secondary market sales with no contracts attached. So that makes it indefensible for Coinbase to have delisted XRP back in the day because it meets many of these qualifications here. But Johnny, I do think there's some more cool news articles that I'd love to get to. And before we do that, we are going to show you the smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com, that's MerlinCrypto.com, and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. And we got 587 live listeners here. If you guys are interested in tracking your crypto and sticking to an exit plan during the next bull run, the best way to do so is with our application Merlin down below. We give you a 30-day free trial and then you can cancel it. If you don't enjoy the product, you don't get charged. So there's literally no downside to trying out our new application. Go check out the link down below. But we are going to switch gears here a little bit. And I want to focus on the price targets for XRP Crypto Lulu, because this is what a lot of people are tuning in for right here. And as we can see, XRP is finally testing a long-term trend line here and waiting for a breakout. Well, when it comes to the lawsuit, we're actually getting some positive news corresponding to that. And this is a video that Brad Garlinghouse liked on his Twitter account in regards to the lawsuit. So we're going to play this short clip and then talk a little XRP price action. Here we go. Do you have, do you have an opinion as to why uh, the SEC picked the fight with Ripple? I mean, Ripple's well-funded. You know, uh, Brad Garlinghouse has said publicly that when all said and done, it would be $100 million in legal fees. That's pretty steep. Well, I, yeah, I don't think they saw that coming. And uh, I, I think they probably expected there would be a settlement. And I think they underestimated the fight inside of Brad. Uh, there's a lot of sand. And we've learned, I've learned, there's a lot of sand inside that fella. And I admire that. There's a lot of sand inside that fella, and I admire that. That is a weird compliment. I never heard that one before, Johnny. But I want to get your thoughts on this here. Brad Garlinghouse liked this tweet, and what I think he liked about it is they said the SEC was anticipating a quick settlement. They didn't think Ripple would have $100 million to battle them in court for a year, and Gary Gensler was just looking for a quick payday. So before we kick it to Lulu, what does that mean to you, my friend? doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense to me at all because we know Brad already said he's willing to settle. He already said it. All he wants is for them to come out and say that any secondary sales is not a security and it's over. He'll pay, he'll pay them whatever they want. And he's got a big bank to roll, a big paycheck to pay them, but they don't want it. They don't want the money because if they wanted the money, they would have said, all right, Brad, you got, they did it for library. They ended up coming out and saying, okay, yeah, any secondary sales is not. So no, something, something's not adding up here. Abs. I told you this in the past. If it smells like a fish and it flops like a fish, is freaking fishy. There's something not right here because Brad would be happy 
to be paying that penalty to get that monkey off their back because it's slowing them down. It's hurting them in their adoption in the U.S., right? There's companies that have said, hey, oh, we're not going with you. And SEC's on your back. We don't want to get near you, right? So the reality is, no, something doesn't feel right to me. That pay that that payday would have came if they wanted it. There's something else going on, in my opinion. Lulu, and I love this comment here. It said, Gensler and Gellinghouse are secretly working together behind the scenes. This Maybe. is legal theater, and we always talk about this. We, we like to say this saying, all the world's a stage, and we took that from the digital asset investor. This is just one large movement pushing us into the digital age. We've got Hester Pierce playing the good girl. We've got Gary Gensler playing the bad guy. But at the end of the day, cryptocurrencies are going to be custodied by companies like JP Morgan, Bank of America, and so on. And this is just one larger move in that direction. So I'd like to get your take on the XRP price targets because that's the title of our episode. People are anticipating very large price movement on the resolution of this lawsuit and the price charts correlating with that. So I'd like to hear your thoughts. What do you believe could be the push after the lawsuit that would lead to a price run? No specific price targets in mind here. Just what do you believe will be the catalyst? So I think what's really important here is to basically say what we're, I'm about to talk about is only speculation. It's a, it's a speculation environment. We're not talking about utility. I, I want to say as well, with the audience here, that if you want to learn about utility, like real technology, how, how this technology really works and how tokenized assets can increase and increase the price of these assets and derivatives, you have to go over to Coin Club Quincy's YouTube channel. I'm, I'm, I've never said anything with more confidence. Um, he's an incredible person in the space, completely undervalued. It's outrageous. And T's Crypto Spot and Lyft Capital. Those three are going to get you to where you need to go in terms of the mindset for utility, where utility can potentially take these assets. But what we're talking about here is speculation. We're talking about human behavior. I'm feeling greedy. I'm going to buy. I'm feeling scared. I'm going to sell. That's what we're talking about right here in this segment. When we look at a chart, that's what it does. Um, I think when we look at a court case resolution, settlement, win, loss, whatever, you can probably use the Fibonacci retracement tool to, to get the lines for where we're, there's going to be resistance or support. Um, I have to say as well, if we're going to see the price go up with utility, let's say utility for some reason just turns on, the flip the switch moment happens as soon as the regulation comes in at this court case settlement, which I think is highly unlikely. You get this massive candle that goes up and it doesn't come back down. That's a clear sign for you that utility is taking place and that we need to ditch the charts at that point, right? Um, but what I believe is probably going to happen, the most likely thing that's going to happen is that we're going to conform to Fibonacci retracement levels. Um, all you have to do is take the peak of the last bull run, drag that down to the bottom of the last bear run, and you get projection for the whole next bull run, right? So if we have continual speculation environments moving forward and we have a full bull run, a full bull run without utility, then the, the upper end of those Fibonacci's bring us up to 10 to $13. Um, and that's why that the title of the video is actually pretty good in that in that regard. But please understand that when we talk about that, that is if we're in a speculation environment for the whole next bull run and we reach the top of the Fibonacci uh, scale, right? There's plenty lines in there that act as really good resistance points, like the 2.618. You know that 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 line. I think that's around 
four dollars or something like that but i think what we need to be doing is looking at our our bags and assessing whether we're actually going to be letting go of xrp um and my stance has always been no i'm not selling any of my xrp because i know what it's worth in the future so i'm kind of staying convicted to that however i do have other assets that will be tied to this new bull run that will be triggered by XRP. Um, I do believe the next bull run that we see will be triggered by this court case resolution. So that saying that, it means we kind of are near the bottom based on that kind of idea. We get the settlement. I think there's a modest pump, a, a modest pump in the, in the XRP price. I think, you know, we hit one of those Fibonacci levels all the way up to kind of the $6 mark or something. It would be somewhere in between there. Um, on a recent interview uh, I did with um, Beyond Broke, Jacob Claver, he's a great guy as well, um, should have him on. Um, he was talking about how when liquidity is low in the exchanges and volume is low in trading, that happens as a result of everyone buying off the secondary market in this FOMO event that we probably will see when the court case finishes. And because of the drop in volume, because there's nothing actually left to trade, um, the price plummets back down. And that's a, just a natural kind of way it works. Um, and so the the anticipation is, if we stay in a speculation environment, is that we'll see this FOMO event where the price rockets up. Everyone thinks, wow, this is crazy. They'll confuse it for utility. But when true utility comes in, we're not talking about between, you know, here and $10. We're, we're talking way past that. Um, and because it's speculation, People will get scared. People will get, uh, I'm selling off at the previous all-time high, whatever it is. Price comes back down. The volume is really low anyway. And then it's time for the people with real steel hands, the diamond hands, to actually start placing their bets because the, there's going to be a whole load of people who see this price go up in a modest pump, get absolutely terrified and sell all their all their bags and uh, or, or not sell because they think it's going to go even higher. It's going to go even higher see their portfolios go into the millions and then it's back down into a couple of thousand again. Um, I, I, I see that type of eventuality kind of as, as a reasonable way to look at what's going to happen. As a result, that means for me personally, I'm not selling my XRP, but when XRP goes, XLM is going to go, XDC is going to go, probably the whole crypto market is going to go. And so I can use the assets that I'm not married to to start taking my profits there in anticipation for the price to come back down so I can reaccumulate the asset that I am married to. Um, and so that's kind of the whole strategy, the way I think it's going to move. Obviously, anything can happen. Not, it could be possible that nothing happens, right? And that would be the ultimate thing for the community to, to get into desperation mode and frustration mode. Um, anything can happen, but you've got to hedge your bets while also securing the assets that you're most precious about. For me, that's XRP. So I'm happy to let go of a little bit of XLM and XDC in my profit take. You said a bunch of great statements there, but there's a couple of things I want to focus on. And the first one is you're not anticipating a very large price pump after the resolution of this lawsuit. And I actually share a similar sentiment. I learned from my man, Johnny Crypto here. What's going to lead to a price run is these exchanges coming in and purchasing XRP to list it on their exchanges right after the lawsuit. We know that's going to be a catalyst and that doesn't even include utility, right? 
But one of the things that people continue to debate is if, is if big banks like Bank of America or Santander or JP Morgan, are any of these big companies going to pay you to stake your XRP with them? Now, I know your channel is pretty popular for elaborating on that idea. So I just wanted to get your take. Will we see a day when Bank of America says, hey, Johnny Crypto, bring in your XRP and we'll give you 4%? Absolutely. Um, I, I have overestimated in the past the yield that I felt would be reasonable. Um, so I will clarify that. The recent interview with, again, Jacob Kleber, he's had conversations with MG Stover, uh, PolySign, Standard Custody. Um, and these guys are actually talking and actually implementing. I'm not sure how much I can actually say, but MG Stover are actually, actually implementing some of these things for um, XDC. Um, and and they, they're offering reasonable returns. And I think we need to be in that space. We need to be in a reasonable return space, something that is comparable to the stock market. If you go for the S&P 500, for example, we want to be looking for these yields where we can go into a, uh, a bank and say, we want to give custody of the assets to you. Can you give us a percentage? What we're hoping for them to say is between five and 7%. Th those actual numbers in that recent interview, that second video along there, he, he, he talks about that um, in those conversations. I think uh, PolySign, Standard Custody and MG Stover, they're all going to, all of the banks, all of the banks are going to be doing it. Uh, but be wary of when you start seeing numbers like 15, 17, 20, 21 percent, um, because we know how that's gone before. <laughs> and seven or eight percent um, actually. We need to be reasonable. Power. Oops, sorry, Crypto Lulu, the delay got me there. I'm going to kick it right back to you, but even those numbers sound phenomenal. If you're talking about 7 or 8% on something I'm getting nothing on right now, the compounding effect of that is amazing. But can you just explain to anybody who doesn't understand, why would Bank of America need Johnny Crypto's XRP and why wouldn't they just go and purchase that off the open market for themselves? Well, it's a, it's a little bit like how the banks work right now, right? The, there's that whole thing in the past where you had to, if you're going to deposit money in the bank, you had to do it by 10 a.m. because at 10.01, they were going to invest it. Um, and, and I think it's going to work similar with the banks in the, in the future, right? They're going to take loans. They're going to collateralize your XRP. You're basically giving them the liquidity to, to invest, which is what the banking system does, right? Um, you're giving them the liquidity. They're going to make more than 5% on what you, what you offer them up. Um, and so they're happy to pay a yield. Um, you're, they, they will never have as much the only money that they have is the money you give them the only thing is they collateralize that in, in crazy ways and, and they, they make a lot more money and they accumulate debt based on those agreements and that, that will all be smart contracted and everything but it's, uh, they're, they're using the assets to invest and make more money but you're basically giving them the liquidity to do that <laughs> Any comment, Johnny? I saw you unmuted yourself. Uh, um, no, I mean, there's certainly that possibility. That's how they do it today. They want your money, they bring in the cash, and they reloan it out. There's, it's a certain, but I do agree that if you start seeing high yields, run. You know, anything over anything normal, four, five, six percent, Lulu's right. That's when you start running into danger. All those 10, 20, 30 percent, the, the, no, there's too much high risk. There's something fishy going on, and you don't want to be in there. So I would just encourage everybody to be very careful about that. Um, but I could, yeah, three, four, five, six, seven percent. Sure, people are going to do it. I would do it. I would do that rather than sell it too. I totally agree. So uh, we'll see when that when that day comes and what uh, or and what other 
you know, will it be just XLRP or will it be XLM too, right? Because they say that's for the people. What do you think? You know, there could be a multiple different sets of cryptos where they say, hey, we want these and we'll learn what those are. And then if you have them, yeah, you're better off gaining interest on them and you'll be able to get it legally within the realm of the SEC. Whereas right now we saw what the SEC did. What they do now? They shut down every single staking company or earned platform in the U.S. right now. You can't go to Kraken anymore. You can't go to Nexo. I mean, I shouldn't say every because I think you can earn a little bit on Coinbase still and uphold. But for the most part, they've made it extremely difficult to earn anything right now on it. And so, yeah, I why? Because they want, because think about it. If I'm going to Nexo and giving them my crypto or I'm going to Kraken, guess who I ain't giving it to? I ain't giving it to them. And that's why, you know, I think it's happening. And I think Lulu's right. At some point, the table will turn when we get out of the fight you stage, which we're in right now, right? And when they when we get to the they join you stage, that's when you're going to be able to go to the bank and earn some, some money on your crypto. Johnny, and what's interesting is that this Silvergate collapse was supposed to be a target on crypto's back, and it's turned in the opposite direction, actually proving why we need cryptocurrencies to avoid the banking system. And some of the smartest people in America seem to agree, as Elon Musk and Kathy Woods both commented on this issue. Kathy Woods said while the U.S. banking system was seized up in response to bank runs, threatening regional banks, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other crypto networks didn't skip a beat. Insta instability in the banking system is threatening stable coins and the on and off ramps for DeFi are the biggest threat in crypto Lulu. We've discussed this many times in our channel before the way that you outlaw decentralized currencies, you don't have to ban them. You just have to make it nearly impossible to get access to them. So if there's not a lot of crypto exchanges out there, you're not going to be able to purchase these assets, even if they're legal. So I just like to get your thoughts on that. Do you believe that's how they could consolidate this market by going after the exchanges and not individual products? Yeah, I, I ultimately think that when everyone who's got their assets in exchanges are ultimately going to get wrecked because um, there has to there's a there's a transition phase where the exchanges have to change from the way they have been. Very, they've currently since the inception they've been decentralized, living up to what crypto is all about, right? This decentralized thing. Um, as some, some of them have come in, Coinbase is probably like the most centralized of them and there's the others and they've all failed. But essentially, the point is they have to transfer over to this new system and the system is not dictated by the decentralized community. It's, it's dictated by the regulation and the central banks. So I think there'll be a, a handful of exchanges that get upgraded, that get given the, the pass by the government and say, you are now a bank essentially. Uh, with with extra crypto compatibility um and and the rest of the exchanges would just be gone right to, to go back to um what johnny was saying about you know there'll be a few assets that you'll be able to have at these banks and stuff that actually i have a number so there there's currently 31 assets that you you that the, the, the process has already started for staking these assets 31 and they're going to be adding three to four more XRP, XLM, XDC, um, Algorand, Solana, uh, Quant, Phantom. These ones are all on there. Um, basically the top 34 assets. It's really interesting. And I want to get your take on Stellar Lumens. You brought it up earlier. When you see XRP's price moving, typically XLM will move at the same time. And there's good reason for that, right? They are sister companies with a similar product or it's proof of the simulation. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on XLM in particular. How do you feel about Stellar? Obviously, it's not a competitor to Ripple, but it has a similar product. Do you believe they're also set up to be successful? 
Oh, I, absolutely. I think that I think the new world in payment rails is those two. Um, uh, they just serve different different markets, and the the just because the nature of the markets that they serve dictates the the craziness that can happen, which is why I'm more hedged with XRP, just because they do more money. Um, but I've discussed many times in videos where you've got this structure, we've got like the, the US dollar at the top and then a basket of SDRs. And there's like this whole system that works right now. It's not going to be like that uh, moving, for moving forward. It's gonna be CBDCs in there somewhere backed by tokenized versions of physical assets, commodities, whatever. And the payment rails, depending on if it's person to merchant or it's bank to bank, is going to be dictated by these two assets that we talk about, right? So I, I don't think it's going to have as big a growth as XRP just because of the volume of transact, like the, the, the value in the transactions. But the system's going to be run on a basket of commodities, XRP and XLM <laughs> when it comes yep. to payments. That's fantastic. And Algorand is another one that I've been paying close attention to. But guys, we got 654 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this breaking news from this morning. As the banking collapse started in America, but seems to be leaking overseas, Credit Suisse has a probability of defaulting up to 47%. They believe there's almost a 50% chance we could see one of the largest banks on the planet collapse. And we turn to one of their biggest shareholders here. This is a man who has more money than I can even imagine talking about how he has over 10% of all the money in Credit Suisse, but doesn't feel comfortable adding more because of banking regulations. So we're going to let the short clip play and go back to the group. Here we go. The answer is absolutely not for many reasons outside the simplest reason, which is regulatory statutory. We now own um, 9.8% of the bank. If we go above 10%, all kinds of new rules kick in whether it be by our regulator or the European regulator or the Swiss regulator, and we're not inclined to get into a new regulatory regime. It almost seems like as if they are prepared for a collapse, Johnny Crypto. Somebody who has 10% of all the money in this bank seeming very calm about the fact that this thing could go under. Crypto Lulu, I'll start with you before we kick it to Johnny. How do you feel about this impending collapse? Um, it, the 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 funny thing about all of this is that it's it's new to everyone apparently on the news and stuff. But uh, this is we've been anticipating this happening, um, and I think if we have been anticipating it happening, I'm pretty sure they've known this is going to happen as well. Um, you've got to keep some funds in these banks because you're kind of intertwined with these banks and the old system anyway. It's kind of like, oh yeah, I'll hold ten percent of my whole, everything I have in your bank, you know, because I know you type thing. I think I think. 10% is, he's, I mean, he's obviously a smart guy. He's very rich. 10% um, is a, uh, a small enough chunk to where if you lost it, it's, it's okay. But I don't don't believe that these guys are completely hedged in this system, right? They're, they are hedged in the new system and they're positioned, they're positioned for that. We've got evidence of that new system right before our eyes, Johnny Crypto. Check out this news out of Saudi Arabia this morning. As India and Saudi Arabia, or sorry, India and the United Arab Emirates are working on a joint CBDC pilot, specifically building a perfect cross-border transfer mechanism. And India has been testing their CBDCs in over 15 cities with 50,000 customers and 10,000 merchants. They're actually expending a full-blown launch at the end of this year. And it fits perfectly into China's timeline as well, as China just added their CBDC to WeChat now available to almost a billion people within their country. 
This is a once in a lifetime transformation and 656 people are watching right now. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt as we've talked about abs that the CBDC is coming, but I want to go back and talk what we just did the prior article. Um, no question about it that these guys know what's coming. Of course. As a matter of fact, the, the, uh, I think it was the owner of Silicon Valley bank or one of the banks. He, he had sold his stuff three weeks before. So of course they know what's coming on. Come on. I mean, they, they, they see it coming way before the general public does. We're the last to see it. But the reality is, as Lily rightfully pointed out, we've been in this long enough that we know the game plan. We know the game. We know what's coming. Why do you think we've had? There has never been a time where the central banks have bought more gold than this past decade. Okay. They're loading up on gold. Why? Because we know that gold is the only real money, and they know that the banking system is going to collapse. Everybody's talking about it. Funny that you brought the Credit Suisse thing up. I literally just saw a video yesterday. I think it was Robert Kiyosaki that was talking about it, and he literally said the next bank to fall, this was a few days ago, would be Credit Suisse. So no surprise there that, that now we're starting to see and hear that narrative. That'll be probably the next one to go, most likely. Um, and you'll see more, many, many more. It has to happen. It's the only way. You saw on the web stage, I forgot the lady's name. She literally said, we are transforming into a new banking system. We're getting rid of the old. We're going to the new. People don't like change, but they'll accept a change when there's a problem, reaction, solution. And that's exactly where we're headed, my friends. Crypto Lulu, if you didn't know, Johnny Crypto is a big advocate of gold. And I want to hear your rebuttal to this statement here. Gold is an exit from the central banks, tweeted out Gold Telegraph. They're consolidating the financial system by creating central bank digital currencies and making the big banks even bigger while creeping into digital finance via regulation. I could not agree with that tweet anymore, but I do want to stick to this point. Is gold an exit from the central banks? I know many people who are 50 and up are huge advocates of gold. When you talk to the younger community, it just seems like an outdated concept. We know the price of gold has been severely held down by paper sheets for over 60 years I believe it's trading at $1,800 today. And if it had correlated with inflation since the 70s, gold would be way above that price. I believe it should be 12000 fair market value or something ridiculous. So is it actually an exit from the central banks or do they have control over the gold industry? And this is another false narrative. Uh, in some way, they do. <laughs> They'll always have their hands in everything. However, I do believe that there are certain assets that do um, have longevity and an exit in, and, and increase your sovereignty your independence uh reduce surveillance on you I, and i do believe uh gold silver xrp and xlm and these other assets are the exit from the traditional system and will continue to be a, a way to exist outside of the new system as well because and I'll, I'll say it i'm creating a really really good cbdc uh documentary now right now it's like i'm really excited about it um and you know, in there, I, I aim to talk about all the ways that we're going to have to watch our privacy because the the programmability of the CBDCs, um, you know, if you go outside your radius of your town because there's a new thing, there's a new virus going around, you can't leave 10 miles outside of the radius of your town. And if you try to buy anything outside of there, we'll cut your CBDC off. <laughs> um, that's all actually really possible with CBDCs. Um, but what it's not possible with is XRP, gold, <laughs> silver. <laughs> you can't do that with those assets. Yes, it's slow to transact in those assets, those precious metals, but depending on the level of importance that you place on living outside of the system, these are decisions you have to make.
And look at this really important detail. This came out of Fox Business just yesterday. A digital currency could allow governments to track every transaction a person makes by the minute for the minute. And what's so interesting about this news here is we talk about it all the time. They're going to use this information to monetize and advertise to specific audiences. Sorry, Johnny, I got to keep you muted just while I'm talking because we get an echo. Um, they, they're targeting this to specific advertisements, and that's why they want access to this information. What Facebook does today is they take all of Johnny Crypto's Twitter feeds and Instagram looks, and they go and monetize that information and sell it to companies so they can offer Johnny Crypto products. Well, what do we have here? We have the Federal Reserve trying to do the same thing. If Crypto Lulu tweets out an opinion that they disagree with, not only can they delete his Twitter, they can shut off his bank account. And if that wasn't more clear in 2020 than it is now, I don't know what you're waiting for because in 2020, many of the facts that we consider today were considered misleading information just a couple of years ago and you were being taken off social media. So just imagine if the same people who had control to take you off social media could shut down your bank account, I guarantee they would. But we got 670 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I am fired up over this article right now, Crypto Lulu. So Johnny Crypto, I want to get your thoughts and then we'll continue. Yeah, so this is why. So one thing I've seen in, in life is people are resilient. And I think right now the problem with a system like this is people don't understand what it means yet. We do because we're close enough to it. We know, you know, we know that this has been the narrative. We know that the, the government's trying to sell us that, you know, crypto is bad, CBDC is good, right? That's the narrative they're going to tell you. They're going to tell you 190 reasons why it's so great for you, but they're not going to tell you the slippery slope on the other side that you guys just rightfully talked about. It's controllable. It's programmable. Listen, I don't mind if they target me and want to advertise me. I don't care, all right, because everybody's going to do that. But don't tell me where I can spend my money, right? So one thing that Lulu said is so important is what he was describing was they're creating these things called 15-minute cities where everything's within 15 minutes of, of your, you know, where, where they want to keep you. And if you go outside that zone, you can't sell. Well, here's what's going to happen. People, when they realize especially in America, that their freedom to be able to do what they could do has has gone away, they're going to find another way. And that's where you're going to see gold and you'll see XRP and XRP. All their alternatives, I think, you'll see other vendors saying, hey, we accept gold now. We accept silver, right? Because otherwise, there's going to be, there'll be a huge uproar if people find out that they can't spend money 15 minutes away from their home. That's just not going to sit well. I don't think in the U.S. anyway, I don't know about other countries, but in the U.S., we still have this thing that we think we have freedom, even though we really don't. But while we think we do, we're going to want it. And I just don't think it's going to be that easy to take it away. And that's why I think alternative solutions will pop up if I had to guess what's going to happen in the long run. So, Lulu, anyone unfamiliar with what a 15-minute city is, it's a new urban planning concept in which most daily necessities and services are within a 15-minute walk or bike ride from any point within the city. And this may sound like a great idea. Does it sound like, oh, less carbon emissions, let's save the country? I think Crypto Lulu froze, Johnny, so it's just me and you here. One of the things that's, that's really interesting is what you brought up. People need to fight back. If they allow this new technology to come in, if they allow us to just comply with these new narratives – we're going to be left in the dust eventually, my friend, and we're going to be stuck in a situation where free thought is not allowed. Open conversations are not allowed to be had. And if you want to say that's not possible, look at most countries around the world today. Free speech is a luxury. It's not a human right in many of these countries. And that's what I'm concerned with. So, Johnny, I just wanted to get your thoughts here before we kick it into our next article. Yeah, Abs, you know, you said something so important there. I don't know how many people in our in our group here. Uh, whoops. Oh, you got it. Okay. I don't know how many people in our group here in this um, group chat have traveled outside the U S but I've traveled quite a bit for my, for my career, over my career. 
and what you learn pretty quickly, as much as people love to bash this country, and I hear people bashing our country all the time. And the first thing I said to them says, has you ever left our country? And they're like, no. And I'm like, that's why. You don't have an appreciation for how good we, we still have it here in America until you start going to other countries. And you start to see, and I've been to a lot of third world countries, Asian countries, and you feel the grips when you're there. You feel you have to watch what you say, watch what you do. And so you really quickly realize like, oh, you know what? While America's not great, it's not perfect. It's a hell of a lot better than many other places. At. And it, it is uh, unfortunately sad that as you start to bring in these 15-minute cities, those are going to slowly bring those those grips and those feelings on you. Imagine now they say, you know, you can't you can't have a car no more. Why? Because everything you need is within 15 minutes. Just ride a bike or walk to the store or whatever. That's going to be something that, again, that kind of transition in America, I don't think is going to happen. You, you don't flip a switch for something like that. People hate change to start with. That's going to be a very slow, gradual progress, I think, over time. Maybe take 10, 15, 20 years before they make that happen here. There's no way you're going to flip a switch on that particular change here. I don't think so. Let's talk a little bit of science here, Johnny Crypto. They did an interesting study on mice, and they found that when mice were in a closed environment, I got to mute you again. When mice are in a closed environment and they're stuck within the confines of, of, let's say, a cage, they easily are using substances. So I want to phrase this right because I know we're on air. These mouses are given the option to use a substance such as something you put in your nose, and these animals will not use that substance unless they're in a closed and trapped environment. What happens is when these nature, when these animals are in nature, they don't feel the need to escape. And the reason that I'm saying this is because I at least used to live in an apartment building just six months ago. And I literally felt like a mouse stuck in a maze. Like even to go outside, I lived on the seventh floor. I had to go in the elevator, go through the lobby, get outside, drive to somewhere where there was grass just to put my feet on the grass, Johnny Crypto. So these 15 minute cities, although they sound like this great concept, everything is close by. You don't need to go anywhere. It's an attack on people's mental health. When you are confined to an area, you are going to be depressed. It's human nature, right? At least for myself. And I just wanted to give my two cents. So what do you think, Crypto Lulu? Uh, I think on the back of that, they'll also have an increase in the um, the perception Uh, we're getting some tech issues here, guys. Uh, we're getting tech issues, Johnny. I'm gonna have to remove him real quick. I we're think I think his internet. Yeah, he's having some internet issues there. But guys, this was an amazing episode, and we got 641 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Oren Bowers is right. Crypto Lulu, the CIA is on his back for sharing all this truthful information. Then Johnny, I'm not sure if there's any articles I feel our listeners should see before the end of the show. Actually, there is one video I did want to play, and it's regards to Ripple going to the Supreme Court. So while we get Crypto Lulu back on stream, I'm going to play a short video for our listeners talking about what could happen if Ripple went to the Supreme Court. What uh, do you think that if, if Ripple were to get an outright win, do you think that that would solve it? Just Torres comes in and just rejects the SEC's theory because, you know, as you know, the SEC didn't necessarily limit it to just specific transactions that Ripple said and said that specific offering and, and sale was a security. But with, with this, you know, the token itself embodies all the, the the efforts and promises and inducements Ripple made and XRP itself represents a common enterprise and also, you know, the expectation of profits. If she just flat out rejects their theory and you think that will be a big slowdown, what do you think Gary's just going to say facts and circumstances and move on to the next one? 
Um, that would be a big win. That might slow him down. I think if uh, if it's more of a win on the fair notice argument alone, because you can see a judge being an easy way to kind of resolve the case, just focused in there. That would obviously have a lot less uh, implications for all the other follow-on cases. Sorry, sometimes people are just too boring. I can't pay attention. I'm not even sure what he said at the end of that clip, but what stuck out to me, Johnny, is what he originally began with. The SEC's allegations that XRP was always operating as an unregistered security and not targeting specific sales is what I believe is going to shoot them in the foot at the end of the day. Back in 2013 or 2014, when Ripple first released XRP and started using it as a product, that's the only time that I could even consider it to be an unregistered security because once it was decentralized and had people like us using it, the argument just doesn't have any merit. So I wanted to get some thoughts from you, and then we'll kick it to Crypto Lulu. What's it mean, Johnny? Yeah, no, you're right, Abs. I think at the end of the day, the way it was launched, yes, you can make the argument that it was uh, a security. I think when we look at it now, we look at it and we say there's no way, no way in the world right now today XRP is being used as a security. Everybody and their mother knows that except Gary Gensler, um, and someday hopefully he'll figure it out. My fear about this thing going to the Supreme Court, the only thing I've said is it just means it's another two more years. It's going to be tied up in courts and all this bullshit, all this horse crap is going to take before we finally get to the answer that we all know already is true today. And it just sucks that we got to wait another one, two, three years tied up in court to get there. So frankly, Abs, I've said it on the show many, many times. I don't want to see XRP win the case. I want to see a settlement because the settlement means it's over. We're not going for appeal after appeal after appeal after appeal. And another three, five years of bullshit and a ton more cost for Ripple. Let's just get this thing over with. Gary gets his payday. Brad gets his uh, you know, freedom to practice by saying we're not a security. And it's game over. And it'll be good win-win for everybody. The question is, when the hell is that going to happen? I have no idea. Crypto Lulu, I'm not sure if you were able to see the end of that clip there, but what but what John Deaton was describing is how the SEC took a much too broad of an argument against the sales of XRP by not stating which specific sales were registered as an unregistered security. They're going to shoot themselves in the foot here and Ripple's going to get a W. That's what we're hoping for on the back end. I'd just like to get some thoughts to close out the episode. How do you feel overall about the lawsuit and the fact that the SEC is in a very difficult situation? Yeah, I think it's I think it's truly a transition of institutions in the U.S. specifically um, in this new system, the way the new system works. It's entirely possible that the the institutions in place like the SEC don't exist in the same capacity or the, the, the tax institutions that exist. They might not exist in the same capacity because if it's all on the blockchain, it's all, all the tax gets paid automatically. You don't need all these people. Um, so I, I, I tend to think that a settlement is probably the most desirable, just like Johnny said. Um, it gets everything sorted, pay a massive fine. Let's maybe let's accept that some of the sales of XRP in the early days were as securities and just give everyone else the all clear for the, for the more recent purchases of XRP and just be done with it because what we are waiting for now is the start of the next bull run. I think this is the trigger. I also think there's been enough time elapsed historically since the last peak and the last, you can, you know, you can draw those comparisons. We're due the beginning of a, of a, of a bull run now. And this is spec all speculation environment. And I just think we're going to conform to the charts in, in a rhyming way. Not, not exactly the same, but um, I, I, I think, I think we're close. We're, we're definitely closer to the end than, than, uh, 
we're not. I don't believe we'll be waiting extra years. I think a settlement just makes sense across the board. Um, but the thing is, everyone will know that Ripple won. You know, um, so it's just going to be a settlement, which is the narrative that the SEC want to put out. Like we are protecting the individuals, and we can still do that. And we managed to settle this case. Thank you, Lulu. Um, and I want to I want to actually incorporate our live chat right now. If you guys believe that XRP will ever reach ten dollars in your lifetime, throw a one in the chat. If you think we never break all time highs or don't get above ten dollars, put a two in the chat for us. But out just to build on the point you made before, USDC just moved to Cross River Bank, and that's a bank that is integrated Ripple's technology already. If we can't paint the picture here, it seems that Baba Cugs just did continually behind the scenes, we have the connections between Ripple and many of the largest banks on the planet. And this is more validation of that right here. All I see is ones coming into the chat. So we got some XRP bulls here, guys. 602 live listeners, show us some love, smash that like button. And to close it out for today's episode, let's let's actually dive into this real quick. To close this out on today's episode, we've talked about how a new bull run could be coming and could be in the works. Let's discuss the price movement that you're anticipating with XRP. When we talk about breaking all-time highs, that seems to be people's first exit target. Do you have a set of exit targets that you're watching? Um, so not, not really. I think the, the big indicator for me is historically when XRP reaches the same market cap as Ethereum, that typically signals the end of a run. Um, and so... We've seen it multiple times in the past. People refuse to believe that XRP flips Ethereum, but it does. It literally does every time. Um, and that always signals the end. So the way I look at it is that there are no sell signals for my XRP, like I said. But when XRP hits Ethereum's market cap, um, I will be letting go of some of the X11 and XDC. Thank you. Sorry, I got stuck on the other screen there, Johnny. But I was just reading this interesting article about some CBDC development news from this morning. A project called Embridge, which is a multi-blockchain CBDC bridge, is leveraging the same technology that XRP uses for on-demand liquidity. And that's a crazy coincidence to say the least. Even if XRP isn't being used for the ODL, this is another connection we have between Ripple and many of the central bank digital developments happening today. Now, another article that caught my attention is the New York regulators say the signature bank had nothing to do with the collapse of crypto. We've highlighted this throughout the episode, Crypto Lulu, but just to end it here, I wanted to put some hard evidence. Uh, the New York, let me just get this right here. I believe it's called the New York State Department of Financial Services said the lender had a significant crisis of confidence in the bank's leadership based on an undisclosed, based on the current status of the bank and its ability to do business in a safe and sound manner. Barney Frank, one of the board members for Signature, said that regulators shut down this bank to send a strong message to crypto. Well, what did we see just a couple of weeks later? It had or a couple of days later. It had the opposite effect. It showed people what's wrong with banking and what is correct with cryptocurrencies. But guys, we've already been going for an hour and 18 minutes. And I just realized that. So I guess we're going to have to close it out for today. We got 595 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Crypto Lulu, thank you for making time for us this morning. The elites, they tried to shut you off. They tried to shut down your internet, but they couldn't stop you from being on our show. So thank you for being here. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Oh, by the way, tomorrow night we will have Beyond Broke on the Late Night Crypto Show with Johnny and Jenna. Come check it out. Let's go.